Our second reading today comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapters 21, verses 1 through 3, and 22, 1 through 14. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship And then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his his father, Abraham, Father. And he said, Here I am, son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had showed them, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. The Word of the Lord. When we read scripture together here in worship, we acknowledge that we are hearing the word of the Lord. After the first reading, 
we say, this is the word of the Lord. And the congregation responds. Some of the congregation responds. Thanks be to God. Or I end by saying, this ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. And some weeks, this is so easy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is the word of the Lord. Now faith, hope, and love remain. And the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead him. This is the word of the Lord. But some Sundays it's not so easy. Some Sundays I don't want to acknowledge that this is the word of the Lord after we read Scripture. And today is one of those Sundays. This passage is one of those passages. It's a passage I've never preached on. I've always avoided it because it is so difficult, so troubling. So obviously I was thrilled when I went to the narrative lectionary and saw that they were offering it up today. This passage raises all sorts of theological questions. It starts by saying that God was testing Abraham, but if God is all-knowing, why does God need to test Abraham? And then if we're honest, God comes off as a jerk. God promises Abraham and Sarah descendants that number among the stars. God gives Abraham his son Isaac. And then God demands that he sacrificed Isaac to him. Even if God had no intention of letting Abraham go through it. Think of the emotional turmoil they went through in the days that led up to this. The passage almost reads like a slow-moving horror movie as they move closer and closer to the hill. As Abraham takes the wood and puts it on Isaac for Isaac to carry the wood which he will be burnt on. As Isaac and Abraham travel alone, Isaac carrying the wood, Abraham with the flame and the knife. Isaac asking, we've got the wood, we've got the flame, but where is the lamb that we will sacrifice? Every once in a while, I'll read one of those troubling news stories that we see every now and then about a parent that intentionally locks their children in a hot car or does something to harm their child. And those stories make me nauseous because I can't imagine doing anything but trying to protect Hannah with my entire being. And here God asks Abraham to put all that aside. Some people have trouble reconciling the God of the Old Testament to the God of the New Testament. And this is one of those passages that gives us a reason why. If this passage was all I knew of God, I would want nothing to do with God. And to make matters worse, after God spares Isaac, Abraham praises God. 
Abraham names the place God will provide. God did nothing but provide a solution to a problem that God caused. When I was 17 years old, I was running late for work. I went down to the garage. I got into my parents' minivan. I threw it in reverse. And I didn't realize that the garage door had stalled out as it does sometimes. But it stalled just above the back window of the van. So in my hurry, I threw it in reverse and went right through the bottom of the garage door. My parents were upset. I was grounded. And I had to pay it back, pay, pay to have it repaired. And so the money that I was working for, instead of going, to, going out with my friends and going to football games and a little bit into savings, went to repairing that garage door. And when all the repairs were paid for, my parents didn't say, Chris fixed it. Because I had caused it. I'm the one that had damaged it. And here we see God demanding that Abraham sacrifice Isaac. And at the last minute, God steps in and says, no, no, here's a ram instead. And Abraham says, God will provide. But God wouldn't need to provide if he'd never asked Abraham to sacrifice. So what do we do with these passages? What do we do as we wrestle with this, these problems that it raises, wrestles with God looking with a jerk, with Abraham being put in this situation? Instead of looking to God, I think we look to Abraham. I think we look to Abraham for inspiration, for truth, to lift us up. In Abraham, we see a willingness to sacrifice. This passage makes us very uncomfortable. We don't talk about child sacrifice that often. It's never a happy, feel-good subject. But in Abraham's day, child sacrifice was not that unusual. It was a societal norm. Many religions sacrificed their children. In fact, some people have said that this is a way of God separating God's self from the other gods by saying, I don't demand children's sacrifice. But I think it's not just child sacrifice. I think in our modern American church, we don't like to talk about sacrifice at all. We don't like to talk about giving something up. We don't like to talk about what's expected of us. We live in a very consumeristic society. About two, three weeks ago, I switched gyms. I've been a member at LA Fitness for about two years. And I've been going for about ten months. And I've decided that they didn't have what I needed. That they weren't fitting my needs. So I changed my membership. I canceled my membership there. And I joined Fitness for Less. And I've been going there and working with a trainer. And they are meeting my needs. So I chose that church. I've become very picky about what restaurants I will eat at. With the limited dietary restrictions, with not being able to eat fats or carbs, with mainly sticking to protein, it has to be a meal that meets my criteria 
that sounds good to me. And if one restaurant doesn't have it, there are three other restaurants right down the road. It's so easy to pass one up and go to the next one. We pick and choose based on what we want, what we're looking for, and what's in it for us. And I think so often we do that with churches. So often we do that with our faith. When people look for a church, they look for what they will get out of it. What's in it for them. When we do this, we make church about us and not about God. People should look for a church where they're comfortable, true. I'm not saying anyone should go to a church where they feel uncomfortable, but they should look for a church where they can grow and they can learn and they can continue to walk with God. People should look for a church where God is calling them to. A church that God wants them to call their church home. And so often... How often when have you heard about someone looking for a church and going in and saying, what can I give to this church? Where do my gifts meet your needs? But instead we go into church saying, what can you give me? How are your programs tailored to fit me? How are you going to coddle me and make me feel good? We forget that we worship God whose very Son sacrificed Himself on our behalf. We forget that we worship a Savior who told us to take up our cross and to follow Him. So often we think about our faith and think about church as something to make us comfortable, something to give to us, and it is. But it's something that demands from us as well. That God demands sacrifice. The disciples, when they were called by Christ, left their boats, their nets, their businesses behind, and they followed Him. Paul left his entire identity, his entire life behind to begin new churches because Christ called to him. We are called to give of ourselves. And I think we should all ask ourselves, when is the last time we have truly sacrificed? Not is the last time that we gave up a week to a mission trip. Not is the last time we put into the offering plate. Not when is the last time we, we missed a football game to stay at an after church function. But when is the last time we gave up something that we would truly miss? Something that's impact would be felt down the road. When is the last time we really sacrificed something for God? For church? For Christ? For our faith? We look at Abraham and we see that he is willing to do that. Abraham is held up in Scripture as a model of faith. And in this passage, he shows great faith. He shows faith by willingness to sacrifice his son, but I think it goes deeper than that. He shows a willingness to sacrifice what his son represents. 
Abraham and his wife Sarah were old age when God appeared to them. And God promised Abraham that his descendants would number among the stars. That a great nation would come from Abraham. And at the time, in their old age, Abraham and Sarah were childless. And they had to ask themselves, how can you be the parent of a great nation when you aren't even a parent? But they trusted in God and they set out on the journey that God had called them. But that trust wavered and Abraham had doubts. In the passage preceding this, Abraham had had a child with Hagar, who was Sarah's uh, handmaiden. And because Hagar was Sarah's handmaiden, that child would be Abraham and Sarah's child legally. That Ishmael would be Abraham and Sarah's son. This was kind of an end around, a way to force God's hand to cheat uh, God. It wasn't what God had in mind. And I wonder if that attempt to force God's plan is why Abraham was tested. But God said, a child will come from you and Sarah. And in time, Isaac was born. Isaac was the answer to that promise. Even though they were a very old age, probably in their 90s when Isaac was born, he was the descendant that was promised. He was the one that would lead to the nation of Israel. He is the one through whom Abraham's descendants would number among the stars. He was their answer to their hopes and their dreams and everything they wanted and desired and had been promised. And now Abraham is asked to sacrifice him. To not only sacrifice his child, but to sacrifice his hopes, his dreams, to sacrifice the answer to God's promise. And to do so, he had to show great trust in God. He had to trust that God would fulfill God's promises. That God had promised him descendants and God would make that happen. To him, it seemed that Isaac was the answer to that promise. And if not Isaac, how? But to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham had to trust in God. That God would open up another way. That God would fulfill the promises that God made. That's a leap many of us would have trouble making. When we think we have God's answers in our lap, to throw it away thinking that God will provide another way. To get rid of the one in the hand for the proverbial two in the bush. But Abraham showed a willingness to do just that. There are many passages in Scripture that are difficult to understand. There are many that are theologically troubling. There are many times that we don't understand God. But when we look at today's passage and we focus on Abraham, 
we see Abraham showing us that we need to be willing to sacrifice. That if our God, if our Savior is one worth following, worth worshiping, then God and Christ are worth sacrificing for. Worth offering real sacrifice. Sacrifice that will be missed. Sacrifice that will impact our lives. And we show that we need to trust in God. That God's promises will be fulfilled. That we might not happen in ways we expect. It might not happen in ways that we understand. But if we are faithful to God, God is faithful to us. And God's promises to us will be done. That God's love for us will be fulfilled. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen.